Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. She Reads Truth creates beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what we're going to read together as a community this week. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams. And friends, we're excited to be together here, just the two of us, to bring it on home in the book of Exodus. This is our last week in our Exodus series, week number six, and we get to just conclude this beautiful book of the Bible that we have so enjoyed reading through with you. Rachel, I love this conversation with you. Thank you for having it with me. Same. This was a good one. It was good. It was a good way to end this series. So we hope you guys enjoy it too. Thanks for letting us be Women in the Word of God with you every day, every week. We really treasure it and enjoy it, and we hope this conversation blesses you. Let's get right to it. As we were reading, Rachel, to prepare for this conversation to, yes, land the plane Mm -hmm. on the book of Exodus, I was thinking back to our first conversations in this series and how, and some of the language like I used in my editor's letter for the book, where talking about how one of the things, we learn a lot in the book of Exodus, but one of the things we learn about God is that He is a God of response. Mm -hmm. And so it felt helpful to me and important and meaningful to me in these last chapters to, you know, definitely dig in and read the last chapters, but also kind of pull back a little bit and see the full story and see that this full story that we see in Exodus, which again is just part of the full story of redemption, right? Sure. Of of Scripture, but to see that this is all happening and written down and kept for us because we serve a God who draws near to His people and who makes a way for His people to draw near to Him. That's right. And who responds to the needs of his people and responds when they cry out. I mean, this whole story of Exodus began with the Israelites crying out in their oppression Mm -hmm. in Egypt and God hearing their cry and God knowing what they were experiencing and not just being aware, but responding. That's right. And And rescuing them. I mean, I'm going to say like this like silly real thing. There's no one like God. Like there's no one like Yahweh because even his response is proactive. Like even like what we know from Genesis is this promise that after 400 years, I will deliver you from slavery. Mm -hmm. And, you know, last week we talked about when he gave the Ten Commandments in that same encounter, he gave instructions for building a tabernacle to Mm -hmm. make sacrifices and atonement for the sins that would be committed against this law that he's giving. It's like he is proactive and responsive, and there's just, there is no one like Yahweh. Yeah. I mean, you could have that conversation all the way back to the garden. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I've enjoyed this series Amanda, because we get to do six weeks. A lot of our series are a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I've enjoyed getting to do like one longer book of the Bible. Yes. So it's been fun these, you know, last five episodes to have like such a variety of guests, to have, you know, Scott, who's an artist, and to have Jen, who's a Bible teacher, and Margaret, who's a Bible teacher. Like, it's mm-hmm. been enjoyable, like a lot of people coming from a lot of different angles. Mm-hmm. And even as, you know, you remember from week one, Jen Wilkin brought us this like, look at the book of Exodus as a birth narrative. I mean, 
blew our minds. I'll never be the same. I'll never truly, read that book the same. I hundred percent will not. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Margaret brought this lens of like food and like the significance of food and bread mm-hmm. and scripture. And throughout the series, it's just been cool to hear different perspectives. Yeah, I agree. I have seen <laughs> reflected in the book of Exodus more of my own humanity than mm. I'm necessarily comfortable with. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You like get it's, confronted with uh-huh. yeah, your humanity. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, so we pick up this week in chapter 36. So we left off last week in chapter 35 where the people were bringing their free will offerings mm-hmm. of gold and silver and bronze and various types of yarn and fabrics and things to build the tabernacle yeah. and its furnishings. And then here in 36, we get to see... It's such a win for the people of Israel. It really is. Especially this like opening section, because a lot of things we read about the people of Israel, they're sort of uh, stories that they'd rather not be told. And, We're reading their diary in a uh-huh, way, you uh-huh. know? Yeah. And so I want to actually... Can I read some of it? I think so. Okay. I'll read a little bit, starting in verse 1 from chapter 36. The pronunciation is Aholaab. I think. I think that's great. We're going to go with it. So starting in verse 1, Bezalel, Aholaab, and all the skilled people are to work based on everything the Lord has commanded. The Lord has given them wisdom and understanding to know how to do all the work of constructing the sanctuary. Love that. We can come back to that because that's so mm-hmm. beautiful and special. Verse 2, so Moses summoned Bezalel, Aholaab, and every skilled person in whose heart the Lord had placed wisdom all whose hearts moved them to come to the work and do it. Hmm. They took from Moses' presence all the contributions that the Israelites had brought for the task of making the sanctuary. Meanwhile, the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. I love this. Then all the artisans who were doing all the work for the sanctuary came one by one from the work that they were doing and said to Moses, The people are bringing more than is needed for the Mm -hmm. construction of the work the Lord commanded to be done. And they go on to be like, all right, everybody, and stop. No more. We've got got what we need and more. Yes, yes. That's where I wrote the part that's called out in our study book. The people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. That's where I wrote, like, what an ROI. Like, what a return on the investment of, yes, I'm going to give, I'm going to freely give of this. And what we are going to get in return is a place (laughs) for the Lord to meet with us and a place that will provide atonement for our sins and forgiveness. And essentially, I'm going to give you my gold. I'm going to get back a relationship with God, <laughs> like wow. an ongoing relationship with God. Like I'm going to go ahead and take what good will these earrings serve me or this scarf or whatever it is, if in yeah. exchange I get access to God. Yes. Woo! Yes. I like that. I love the verse seven. It's right where you where stopped. I stopped reading. The materials were sufficient for them to do all the work. There was more than enough. Love it. And isn't that, I mean, I just feel like the application is so easy to draw and, and I think appropriate to look at how God always provides Right. And there are a lot of sayings surrounding this. Right. But I think that they are rooted in scripture, you mm-hmm. know, like God will equip you for what he's called you to, or there are more clever ways that people say that. But it reminds me of, you know, those verses in the New Testament where 
where we are told that we what we have is more than enough to live the life that God has called us to. That's great. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like we see a couple of them that I wrote down. One is in Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21, where that says that, you know, may God equip you with everything good to do His will. And I think that's what we're seeing here is God equipped them. Because mm-hmm. we remember, we've talked about it a few times already, we remember how they got yeah. the... Where the all that gold came precious from. Precious metals yeah. and stuff, right? And then in Second Peter 1, 3, His divine power has given... This actually reminds me also of Bezalel and the artisans and how they were equipped. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So he's given us, through himself, has given us everything that we need to do what he's called us to do. And so I love this like physical representation of that, of like even the material was more than enough. The manna was enough. Yeah. The water from the rock was enough. Which goes back to what you said initially. Like he's a God of response, but like in this proactive way that Mm -hmm. so long ago, even before the actual like, hey, give us your gold moment, you know, telling Moses like, and in this way, one day you will plunder the Egyptians. And, And now this plunder is being used as a way to have access to and relationship mm-hmm. with him for his people. And and then we continue, like, with the artisans and all the things. And I'm happy to see a lot of Hebrews in this week's reading. We get a little revelation. Mm-hmm. It's good. I see you turning to something. What are you looking for? Well, I was just looking to make sure I'm going to say these chapter numbers correctly. So in chapters 25 through 30, we have essentially like a description of how the tabernacle is to be built and the furnishing. So the instructions from God to Moses and the people on Mount Sinai. Right. This is how you are to build the tabernacle. It's very descriptive, very detailed, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so in a way, as we're reading chapters 35 through 40, it seems to be just like a copy-paste. Like well, we already there, read this. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. But we haven't for a couple of reasons. One, now the details are the same. The measurements and the instructions mm-hmm. are the same. But we go from make, you know, make the tabernacle this way, make the upright supports this way, make the crossbars this way, make the curtains this way to... And they made. And so Bezalel, because he's kind of been put in charge of like the fashioning of all these things, the skilled artisan, the head artisan for the project. And so I love that we get to go from make to made, that it's not just here are the instructions God gives, but it's actually a really kind of cool moment in Scripture where we get to see specifically that those instructions were carried out and how they were carried out. And that it matters that they were carried out exactly. Fully. Yes. Uh-huh. Because we get so many times in these chapters is the phrase like, just as the Lord instructed That's them. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting, Amanda, that you pointed that out because we see sort of an unfortunate instance in Moses' life where mm-hmm. he doesn't follow God's instructions exactly, mm-hmm. which is more of a Deuteronomy conversation than an Exodus mm-hmm. conversation. But we do see what happens when we don't follow God's instructions exactly. And so it matters. You're right to it go from matter. make to made. Yeah. Okay. So I am torn. I want to read so much Hebrews this week, so I'm just going to try to restrain. Honestly, I bless that. Myself. You can. We get to read Hebrews alongside 
a few of these passages. I want to read Hebrews 9, or at least part of it. Yeah. Y'all will get to read all of these things this week. This is oh, going to be yeah, a good yeah, week. Yeah. But, Verse 24. But it's just, it's hard because even in this whole section, you're like, well, which one? So as we're looking at the actual making of the sanctuary in mm-hmm. the tabernacle, it feels like half of the story, it feels like this half step if we don't read the final the final step, which Hebrews yeah. describes so beautifully. And so even like starting in verse 24 of chapter 9, it says, For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, which was only a model of the true one, but into heaven itself, so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. And then a little further down, but now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. Yes. There's this very clear tie as we're building this tabernacle made by human hands Mm -hmm. so that the people can have access to God. Now Jesus, the sacrifice and the priest, doesn't need the tabernacle because he is in heaven, in the presence of God. Uh, So, so good. And we'll get to keep kind of revisiting that this week, Jesus as the true and better, as we say Uh sometimes, uh you know, the true and better tabernacle, the true and better priest, the true and better sacrifice. That's right. Yeah. All of it. Okay. So I'm excited to be turning the page now to chapter 37 because I had questions in this chapter that I didn't, I had time to ask, but not to find the answer to, but I saw that you were getting the answer to them. So I'm just going to ask you now. Here's the thing about the Bible, Rachel, that we just continue (laughs) to say and marvel at week after week, book after book, year after year. There are so many deep tracks. Yeah. You know, yeah. and just like the connections that you can make in scripture are just endless. By simply opening it and reading it. And just reading it. That's and digging. The, the beautiful mm-hmm. thing is just going like, I'm going to read it and ask questions yeah. and dig and draw connections. Yes. I mean, like even in this, like we were talking about day 37, we get to read from the book of Revelation, like the first chapter mm-hmm. and this beautiful connection to the lampstands yes. in heaven. This is such a good example of what we have been learning through Exodus all along, which is that... God doesn't just desire beauty or put forth beauty or create beauty. He is beautiful. That's right. And defines beauty. And beauty matters. Which, like, we've been learning for the last 10 years together. I do see, as you turn the page, that I love any time I see that you've handwritten or hand-drawn a set of praise hands. Oh, yes. In your margin. I see them there by Revelation 1. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. They're pretty good. You are, they are terrible. They're four-fingered hands, and I am concerned. (laughs) And one of them doesn't really have a wrist. Uh -uh. It's okay. It's okay. So, you know, everyone does their best, and you know what? God appreciates your beauty. (laughs) Listen, Toby has four and a half fingers on one hand, and it's one of my favorite beautiful things about him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to read it now. We have to, because we we pointed out my praise hands. This is Revelation 1, starting in 17. When I saw him, and the him here is the Son of Man, this Mm -hmm. is Jesus, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. Mm -hmm. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. What? (laughs) So now we can just conclude this episode. Yes. Yes. But don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. Like, 
what a kind and loving thing to say. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. One of the ways in which he is the last is he was the last sacrifice. That's right. Yeah. The last, the once for all time. The once for all time. Right? I'm sure it means possibly something else in the context, Mm -hmm. but... But the last high priest. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, Chapter 38. I like nerding out over scripture with you. I'm having a nice time with my iced coffee. The thing about being guestless is that we had nerd out over whatever we we can can (laughs) meander as the spirit leads. Oh, our guests are always so gracious, but it Um, is fun. Okay. So chapter 38 is where we get one of my favorite parts of this week, which is the inventory of materials. It's true. But before that... Oh, wait. Sorry for skipping ahead. Hold on. Yes. They make the altar of burnt offering. Yeah. And this is going to be, I mean, everything, all of this is significant. Yes. But what I was going to say is this is going to be super significant Mm -hmm. because this, again, is like God's provision of a sacrificial system. Yep. Like the sacrificial system is not just something in the Old Testament that we say, oof. Right. Like that is... A yeah. lot. Provision is a really good word to but use. Like he's providing a way. Yes, mm-hmm. because otherwise, death is all we have. Yes. And so the provision of the sacrificial system, that's what came to mind as I'm reading, like Bezalel constructing meticulously yeah. this beautiful altar yeah. of acacia wood covered in, is it covered in gold? I want to say it is. Maybe that was the table. I think that maybe bronze. Covered in bronze. Yes. Overlaid in bronze. But still, you yeah. know, like yeah. overlaid in like another fine metal. And so meticulously creating this thing that is going to be used for actual sacrifices for the atonement of sin. And I think the, th- the connection that we make is like that they make sacrifices for their sins, but the connection we sometimes don't make, I sometimes don't make, is, I mean, we saw this last week, like that the penalty for sin was death and that he provided that something mm-hmm. else could die in our place. In this time, it meant, hey, you can slaughter this lamb in your stead so that you don't have to die for the sin that you have to die for. The sacrifice and the slaughtering, this is not arbitrary. Right. It wasn't just like for general sinfulness or— It's a mercy. It was that blood had to be shed. Mm -hmm. And up until then, it was really like your blood had to be shed. And Mm -hmm. and so to say instead that a lamb would die on your behalf was pretty significant. And it takes us back to the Passover, where the blood of the lamb went over their doorposts and it's— Spared them. Yeah, yeah. You know, we didn't... Well, okay, I want to say what I was going to say and then explain it further. We didn't do this on purpose, is what I was going to say. We always create our editorial calendar on purpose. Yeah. But I don't think that we thought specifically about how we were going to read Exodus now, and then in a few months this fall, Mm -hmm. we will read the book of Leviticus together for the first time as a community. End of September. At the end of September. Mm -hmm. So I'm already thinking ahead to Leviticus and how we're going to read in depth about this sacrificial system Mm -hmm. and how, and again, it's something that the joke about Leviticus is it's where reading, like one year reading plans go to die. Like right, you yeah. get to Leviticus and you just kind of like putter out. Like, and it's just like, oh, that was yeah. tough. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is a tough, it is objectively not an easy read for various reasons. However, 
it is in Scripture for a reason, and we are meant to read it and mm-hmm. not just read it, seek to understand it because it teaches us who God is, and because by more fully understanding the sacrificial system yes. that God provided for them, we can more fully understand Jesus' sacrifice. Which the fact that we're following our three-week reading of the book of Leviticus with a three-week reading of the book of Hebrews, and that starts like kind of mid-October this fall. Y'all, stick with us. It's going to be... Be women in the Word of God every day this summer, this fall, and ongoing because there is so much good to be read and understood. You just exhaust yeah. the connections and the depth and... I mean, like what we just read from Jeremiah. How did the Lord put it that I will watch over my word to accomplish it? Yeah. yeah. And like the more we read, the more we see that that is is true and continues to be true. That's right. And will always be true. Yeah. And now. The inventory. We get to talk about the inventory. Put a smiley face next to it because I knew it was going to make you Fans of organization and systems. So your friend here, Rachel, would have been Ithamar Mm -hmm. because he was, the inventory was the work of the Levites under the direction of Ithamar. The son of Aaron the priest. The son of Aaron the priest. What a guy. You guys would have gotten along. What a guy. Rachel likes order. Yeah. And I like Rachel because <laughs> for liking order. Yeah. I love that about you. And yeah. I benefit from that. But there's like a true like accounting system where they go like, all right, here's the deal. All the gold. Of the, I'm actually reading this. Here's the deal. It wasn't part of it. But starting in <laughs> verse 24, all the gold of the presentation offering that was used for the project and all the work on the sanctuary was... 2,193 pounds, according to the sanctuary shekel. And then (laughs) the plot thickens. (laughs) The silver from those of the community who were registered was 7,544 pounds, according to the sanctuary shekel. And then they start to account for it. So down in verse 27. I love this part. Well, here's the deal. There were 7,500 pounds of silver used to cast the bases of the sanctuary and the base of the curtains and so on, and 75 pounds for each base because there were that many. And then with the remaining 44 pounds, he mm-hmm. made the hooks for the posts, overlaid their tops, and supplied bands for them. Like there's an actual to the pound, to the pound, right, of everything that was yeah. given. like And how it was used. And because you read like I think one chapter earlier, like it was taken from Moses' presence. Like the offering mm. came was given in Moses' presence, and then it was taken from his presence. Yeah. And so there was an accounting for every thing that was taken. Do you know what that was? That is stewardship. That is stewardship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one this of our... This is what we did with the thing that you gave. Yes. Yes. It's one of our values. One of our um, six values. At she Reads Truth, mm-hmm. because in like the way that we seek to run this mm-hmm. you know, ministry and organization is we, we want to be good stewards, and it's a little difficult to mm-hmm. be a good mm-hmm. steward. It doesn't... Because it requires things like this. Mm-hmm. It requires like... Making lists and keeping account and mm. being accountable. Yeah. For how you use what you've been given and is it being used well and for its intended purpose mm-hmm. and mission. We steward our financial resources, our time, our human resources, our yeah. property in place, like all of those things. We have discussions about how we are. Yeah. In, like we open meetings with like how are we being good stewards? Yeah. So yeah, it's beautiful to see this stewardship. It makes me happy. And then in sort of like the going deeper passages from Psalms and Hebrews, mm-hmm. we hear these Old Testament and New Testament echoes of 
you do not want a sacrifice, or I would give it. You're not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You'll not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. That's from mm-hmm. Psalms. And then Hebrew sort of echoes that same psalm. Yeah. But it's what we've been talking about, Amanda, where, yeah, we can— do like this like in-kind exchange, like I yeah. sin and so I slaughter a lamb and now even Stephen. And God's going, no, no, no. Like you don't understand the spirit of this. The spirit of this is that I desire you yeah. and I desire you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from that same chapter that you just read from in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, verse 4, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That's right. Like That's why it was continual. It was continual and always. And we'll read later that, mm-hmm. um, oh no, it's actually no, right, it's here. right here. Yeah. It's right here that, I'm just going to start in verse 10. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Hmm. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified." I mean, just the, <laughs> I think you're right, Rachel, that no, you don't understand. Right. Because even just looking at the effectiveness, efficacy. Of the efficacy, thank you very much. I'm with you. Of Jesus' sacrifice, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. perfected forever, once for all time. Sit down, job's done. Period, the end. It is finished. Yeah. That was what was required. And, Accomplished and so far off for the people of Israel. So far, yeah. I mean, this is. Sorry, I, think, I really brought that low. For, no, but it's that what we see in Exodus is a shadow, right? That's right. Yeah, of the thing that is to come, mm-hmm. and even now, a shadow of the thing that is to come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So day thirty nine, making the priestly garments. Which is that going to be Thursday? Is uh-huh. that where we are? I okay. Think so I'm going to say yes. Yes, I think that's right. Happy note here again for those of us who love organization <laughs> and good round numbers. So this is this section of making the priestly garments, and after each little part, there is this repeated line that says, "Just as the Lord commanded Moses." just as the Lord commanded Moses. And we get to see that exactly seven times, Mm -hmm. which is the perfect number. And so the priestly garments were made just as the Lord commanded Moses. And that seven, I think, is significant and just cool to, as you read this account on Thursday, Mm -hmm. appreciate that significance. Yeah, yeah. This did feel a little bit like a copy paste because you're reading. I'm like, okay, what are the differences here? Yeah, of where we. Re- I mean, they are making them as opposed to being told to make them. Right. So that is that is true, and it shows us that they carried it out, like you just said, just mm-hmm. as the Lord had commanded Moses. And it's in, that detail is important because this is these are the priestly garments, mm-hmm. and so we have already seen God make clear in the book of Exodus that the consecrating and the ordination of the priests is a very serious matter and it's to happen in a very specific way. And so that is true. That's right. That is true here too. And you get your alternating bells and pomegranates. I love them. You do. I love love them. But that detail about the holy diadem I thought was cool. It made me want to sing Bring forth your royal diadem and crown him. Yes. Uh huh. Thank you for finishing Mm -hmm. that for me. So chapter thirty nine, verse thirty 
they made a medallion, the holy diadem, out of pure gold and wrote on it an inscription like the engraving on a seal, holy to the Lord. They attached a cord of blue yarn to it in order to mount it on the turban just as the Lord commanded Moses. Another one of those just mm-hmm. as the Lord's. But it just it had to hang on Aaron's turban, holy to the Lord, because he was going in to do the imperfect sort of preceding work yes. that Christ would ultimately do. Yeah. I'm sure this is a both and moment where the beauty and the detail and the intricacy and the the fine nature of all of these things we're reading about, but the priestly garments specifically are an element of worship toward and honoring God, yeah, right? Yeah. I also think and theorize that a lot of this really detailed manner in which the garments are made and the way they are to be worn. Like, just imagine suiting up for this, right? Mm-hmm. To go into, in Aaron's case, the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I think about like Zechariah with, right. like, in yes. the New Testament. And I just think that it has to also serve in part as a reminder, like a giant flashing neon sign, don't miss this kind of purpose for not just the priests, but the people watching that, mm-hmm. like, this is not casual. Yes. And I don't want anyone to misconstrue this as like a, and this is why we wear our Sunday best. Sunday best. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I mean. And, but I think, you know, this is before the Messiah mm-hmm. had come to earth mm-hmm. and walked the earth and sacrificed himself for us and for our sin. And so this is the Lord teaching us that he is holy yeah. and he is the Lord. And that he's to be approached with reverence. That's right. And mm-hmm. so it just, and all fear. the more, yeah. it just makes it all the wilder to me mm-hmm. that I can approach the Lord with, your the, pajamas? with the nod of my head <laughs> in my pajamas. That's true. I mean, truly. Right. Yeah. And then I can call him Abba. Uh-huh. Think about that. That's a very intimate approach to a very holy I mean, God. My, yeah. my kids call my husband, their dad, Papa, instead of dad. It's just a thing he decided early on, like you do when you're having children and you're like, I want to be called this. He's Papa, and that's Abba. Mm-hmm. And it's very tender. Yeah. It's, you know, as is dad and it's daddy very and all the things. Yeah. It's very intimate. Mm-hmm. And so just the contrast there. but And I think contrast is an okay word to use, but also same God. Right. Same amount of holiness. Right. Like that hasn't changed. Right. What has changed is that we are clothed well, it with changed. the righteousness of Christ. And we are now the holy temple. Yes. Like, Amanda, you're the tabernacle and God dwells in you. My eyes are real big right now, <laughs> y'all. It might be the coffee. It might be the coffee. <laughs> Which is very good, by the but way. But even you, as Amy. we like as we read this, I understand that there were iterations here after the tabernacle, there was the temple, and then the temple yes, was yes, torn yes. down, and then the other temple. Like, but even to think of our great high priest, Jesus yes. the Messiah, walking around in Jerusalem, not like like one from whom men hide their faces. Yes. Not clothed in beauty, clothed sort of in like straight humility. And being baptized by John the Baptist, who like ate locusts yeah. and wild honey, and yeah. and that at that same time there were priests in the temple, right, like, making like, sacrifices. And I don't have a tidy conclusion to that except to go, wow, right. <laughs> and like to our knowledge, I'm stating this, but also asking a question, Rachel. Like Jesus never entered the 
holy the most of holy right, in, the tem- in the temple, right. the most holy place. He was a rabbi, and so he taught in the like courtyard. Right. But no. Yeah. Not that we know of. It's a real And he like, wouldn't have been allowed to, so no. Right. No. Which is wild that he wouldn't have been allowed to since he is God. Right. And- well, but it also like adds some color to why the religious leaders and the chief priests and all of those would have been very adamantly opposed to the language he was using. And didn't love things like him saying, when you pray, go in secret and talk yes. to God. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, you have to come here. Have you not been paying attention? We've been doing this for actual, like... Our tradition is rich and Over wonderful. a thousand years. Right. And so, like, no, actually, when you pray, come here and right. be big about it and bold and out loud about it. And he's and going, pointing to the scriptures and saying, this is how it's done. Uh-huh. And Jesus saying, the scriptures speak about me. Uh-huh. Wow. I am the word. <laughs> yes. The original translation. Oh, my. Oh, my. <sighs> So it's a lot. Yeah. Speaking of, sometimes we have more questions and wonderment than we have tidy bows, but that is pretty awesome. I think that's good. Mm-hmm. So I do love that at the end of the priestly garments mm-hmm. section, where they make all the priestly garments, and then Moses inspects the tabernacle. Yeah. And so at the end of chapter thirty-nine, verse forty-two says the Israelites had done all the work according to everything the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses inspected all the work they had accomplished. They had done just as the Lord commanded. Then Moses blessed them. Can you imagine Moses sitting down at the end of that day? Right. <laughs> Whoosh. <laughs> that was a lot. And then he gets like however the days worked here, whether it sure. was the same day or the next day. He does the actual like load in. Like the setup, yes. Like he gets to be the guy that's like, thanks everything's ready. Now let's go. Let's go. Let's and move. and it's not a crew of guys. It's like Moses goes in, he takes the altar in, and he takes the ark in and the lampstand and sets it in place. Mm-hmm. And as far as I understand this, Amanda, tell me if I'm wrong, that is the only interaction that he has in the Holy of Holies, because Aaron's the high priest. I mean, that would make sense, yeah. So I he gets it set it. up, Moses sets it up, and then he steps away, and Aaron uh-huh. serves as the high priest. You guys are going to read all of this on Friday, because it's chapter 40, it's the last chapter of the Day book 40, of... so tidy. Oh, is it? I yeah. didn't even notice that. I, mean, I celebrate it. Yeah. Well, I did you notice. are the inventory gal. <laughs> I love it. So Moses sets up the tabernacle, and it says in this setting up, in verse 20, Moses took the testimony. So that's the tablets mm-hmm. um, with the Ten Commandments. Moses took the testimony and placed it in the ark and attached the poles to the ark. He set the mercy seat on top of the ark. Mm-hmm. He brought the ark into the tabernacle put up the curtain for the screen, and screened off the Ark of the Testimony, just as the Lord had commanded him. So it's like this first setting up. Which, who was it that like, pointed out the significance? Was it Joel Matamale, who was like, hey, do we see here that mm-hmm. the law is placed in the Ark and it's covered with mercy? Yeah. And with the mercy seat. I just, I hadn't noticed that before, but. So good. And, you know, Big finish. it keeps going. It keeps yeah. going. He sets, and it details that he sets up all of the things that he set up. Installed the gold altar in yes. the tent of meeting. Yes. And at the end of verse 33 after, so the courtyard is kind of the final thing. And it says, so Moses finished the work. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you pointed out last week, Rachel, how we kind of get to see a spiritual growth and maturing in Moses. And I thought, 
What a moment. Moses finished the work. Um, <laughs> and that this is the Moses that we saw, the incredulous mm-hmm. younger man, not young, but younger yeah, <laughs> man yeah. at the burning bush. Right. You know, and who is like super who, resistant. Who should I say is sending me? Yeah. I am, uh-huh. the Lord says. Uh-huh. And that this, for that guy to have been brought this far, the same Moses that stood before Pharaoh with his brother time after time and saying, let my people go. <laughs> Who killed an Egyptian in like a passion of like rage of like, yeah. don't hurt my people. Like the Lord used him Yeah, yeah, in such a sweet, beautiful, powerful way. And I think there's an element of Moses' faithfulness here and definitely yeah. an element of God's faithfulness Amen. to Moses. Yeah. Like that, that same man. Yeah finish the work. Now, his story continues. Yeah. But I love that moment there. Mm -hmm. And then you're right, we do get a big jazz hands finish here Mm -hmm. at the end. You want to read it? Yeah, let's read it. Starting in verse 34. These are the final verses Mm -hmm. of the book of Exodus. The cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was unable to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud rested on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The Israelites set out whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle throughout all the stages of their journey. If the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and there was a fire inside the cloud by night, visible to the entire house of Israel throughout all the stages of their journey. What's the word of the Lord? Thanks be to God. (laughs) What a kindness. Visible to the entire house of Israel. That's right. Not a small house. Yeah. Throughout all the stages of their journey. Yeah. That there would not be a moment or shouldn't be a moment where they look and say, where did he, like, you know, when Moses was up on the mountain too long, where'd that guy go? Yeah. Make us an idol. Make, make us something. Us a, make yeah. us something to worship. That God's presence, God's glory, God's glory remained visible throughout their mm-hmm. journey. And this book started with the death of Joseph and the people in slavery and the Hebrew midwives serving the Most High God and Miriam and Jochebed and Pharaoh's daughter. Just like to think back to where we came from in the Mm -hmm. book of Exodus all the way to where we are, where now he's visible to the entire house of Israel throughout all the stages of their journey. And that journey is going to continue. And we're going to read about that. And I have, like, I have questions. Like, I, I read the part right here that you read, Amanda, about how, like, they kept taking up the tabernacle throughout all the stages of their journey, and they kept mm-hmm. packing it up and moving it on. And we'll read about that someday, because that's more in Deuteronomy, right? Yeah, we'll get more stories, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we read Deuteronomy. The Ark on the Move. Yeah, the Ark yeah. on the Move. But we'll come back to that as a community, for sure. But it's just interesting to think about everything that went into building the tabernacle and all the things. But this was a tent. Like, this was a mobile thing because they were on a journey. This was not the temple. This was not built with stone. Right. This had to be broken down like an event. Like we take it down when the presence of God It really is of kind God of moves. like yeah. load in on Sunday morning for uh-huh. those of you who know what it's like to have a, a non-permanent church home Yeah, in terms of location. Yes, it is. It is a thing. Yeah. I mean, back to our Tabernacle and Courtyard Extra earlier in the study book, that's how we word the definition. This portable temple, they would set it up in the middle of their camp when they stopped, and that's where the Lord would meet them. And then they would pack it up and move it on down the line. Yeah. 
And that's where we conclude the book of Exodus. Yeah. I'm excited that we are going to get to follow that with Leviticus soon. But even like, even in this last day's reading to, you know, read from Acts chapter two and get that like, oh, like the moment where we get Pentecost, where in Acts two, verse four, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is human beings being filled with the Spirit of God in the way that in Exodus, the tabernacle was filled with the Spirit of God. This is the glory of the Lord. That's when I look at you, Amanda, and I say that you are the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. That's you, and that's me, and that's y'all listening as believers. Like, the Spirit of God is in us. Yeah. What a fitting benediction to this reading plan to look at these verses from Acts 2 and see even the like the similarities there that you know and it says this is Acts chapter 2 verse 1 when the day of Pentecost had arrived they were all together in one place suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying and they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them and they were filled with the holy spirit mm-hmm. that grand miraculous moment yeah. is not unlike the grand miraculous moment that um, we read about at the end of Exodus. Yeah. I want to, as we kind of wrap this series and wrap this book of Exodus and get excited about what's coming next Monday even, I love that it worked out for you and I, Amanda, to mm-hmm. just get to do this episode, just the two of us. Me too. And because it's so fun to just read Scripture and talk about it and to model that for our friends listening and even just to like have a moment to talk about, like that's our mission at yeah. She Reads Truth, that it is a feature and not a flaw, as we like to say, that we open God's Word and read it. And the highlight of any given day is not our words, but it's God's Word. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our study books, if you've never held one in your hands before, they're different than most Bible study type books because they, I mean, it really is just God's Word is the centerpiece, and there are lots more of God's words mm-hmm. <laughs> in the pages than ours. And it is, like you said, Rachel, it's a feature and not a flaw because it is a different way of reading, mm-hmm. and it is truly allowing Scripture to interpret Scripture, allowing the Holy Spirit to be, as we affectionately used to call it, the director's commentary <laughs> <laughs> for what we're reading in the Word, and just believing and taking God at His Word, pun intended, mm-hmm. that Scripture is living and active, That's right. and it's for us, and it's about Him, mm-hmm. tells us about Him, and then, yes, who we are in Him, mm-hmm. but it is first and foremost His story, That's and right. it's about Him, and and it's for us to read. We get to read it. And that's what you get to do and we get to do yeah. at She Reads Truth. As women in the Word of God every day, we're going to finish the book of Exodus on Sunday, and we are going to open a brand new study on Monday, which we haven't actually on the podcast talked about yet. Amanda, yes, would you give us a little preview of the reading plan that we're going to begin Monday? I know I say this about all of our reading plans. I'm so excited. This, I've seen some high fives down the hall this about this reading plan. plan. It's called Amen and Amen. 
and it is a journey through the Psalms. And so what we're going to do is take three weeks, and we're going to go through the book of Psalms. We're not going to read every Psalm in the book of Psalms. There are a lot of Psalms, (laughs) and they are all absolutely worth reading and should be read. But what we're going to do is kind of go book by book in the Psalms. And so if you have never noticed... um, This is a fun did you know. it's It's a fun did you know that the book of Psalms as a whole is divided into five individual books. Mm-hmm. And they are they are thematic mm-hmm. and they kind of tell the story of redemption in a way and the story of scripture. And so we are going to walk through those books and look at the theme of each of the five books. And it really it was so beautiful as I read through it and reviewed it, as the team developed it. It showed me things about the Psalms as a whole that I had never noticed. So I learned, but it was also very worshipful because Mm -hmm. how do you read that many (laughs) Psalms in that length of time and not experience worship? Like it's so worshipful. Something unique about this reading plan is we will only be reading Psalms, yeah, except for the Grace Days Mm -hmm. um, where we get a little New Testament in there. We will only be reading Psalms whole psalms yeah. in this reading plan. So that is something that's really unique. I think it's going to be fun to read through together as a community and talk through here yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, podcast guests for that series include Show Baraka. We're real excited to get to talk with him, Catherine Wolf, and Janice Gaines. It's going um, to be a really good series. I mean... I feel like I'm going to need a box of tissues on the table Valid. for this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Janice Gaines is coming in person, and we already want to ask her to just sing for us the whole time. Oh, I intend to. Okay, I good. mean, maybe not the whole time, but... At some point, we're going to need Janice Gaines There's to no sing for us. There's no voice like Janice's voice. And then, as you know, we talk about it all the time, that we are women in the Word of God every day. And since Amanda and I don't have a guest, and we can just talk about whatever we want right now, I also think it might be fun to give you a little bit of a what's coming even past that. Oh. Um, I know. Like, you heard it here first. If Unauthorized you, If you stuck through Exodus and through the end of this episode, you, you might know things that you wouldn't otherwise know. So after <laughs> Amen and Amen, we're going to open the book of Ruth for two weeks. Mm. Um, at the been, end of, so it's been like... I know. Five years? It's been years? long enough. It's been yes. a long time. Yeah. It's, I'm really excited to do that with the community. Me too. And then at the end of September, Leviticus for three weeks, as we said, then Hebrews for three weeks, and then another new little plan called Prayers in Scripture. I'm excited about that one. It's going to be, be a sweet one. one. And so that one is at the beginning of November. You know what comes at the end of November? Advent. Advent. Yeah, every year. It's going to be great. Every year. So I don't know. I'm probably going to be in trouble for telling you all of the things that are nah. coming, but why Why would I be in trouble? It's so exciting. Y'all, being <laughs> a woman in the Word of God every day is so rewarding. Amanda and I find it to be immensely rewarding, and we hear from y'all all the time that you feel the same. So we just want to thank talk you. Talk about an ROI. Yeah, talk about an <laughs> ROI. So we want to thank you for listening. Y'all, if you haven't yet, um, go back and rate this podcast. Give us a review. It helps other people find us Mm -hmm. and be able to enjoy the same benefits of listening to the episodes as you enjoy. That's all I got. Amanda. I think it's time to put away the coffee for the afternoon. To say those final four words. I'm ready. Amanda, until next week, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. (laughs) 